Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 8, the Jason Bourne film trilogy. So glad you decided to join me for another episode of this strange yet delightful podcast. Now, obviously, again, we are behind schedule just a little bit. Episode normally meant to go out on Wednesday, and today, I believe, is Saturday again. And yeah, there's a reason for that. Basically, what happened was I had some timing issues purely based on, like, you know, was it uh, job responsibilities? Um, some other interviews I need to do and the fact that I'm going to be out of town for a few days so I'm doing a lot of prep and packing and all that sort of palaver so yeah I've got a lot of stuff on my plate but I promise that as soon as we get like episode 10 out of the way I don't think I have any other thing to take care of for the foreseeable future so I'll be you know pretty much back on schedule by that point so just hang in there with me ladies and gentlemen and we'll all do fine But that's not what the topic of conversation is for today. What we're actually talking about is some Bourne, some Jason Bourne. With the upcoming Jason Bourne film set to show up in July of this year, which is actually just a good few weeks away now that I think about it. Ooh, man, I'm giddy. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the Matt Damon Bourne films because they're awesome. And obviously, it's relevant to the fact that, you know, the new film in the series will be coming out, you know, late side of July. Now, before we get into this whole thing, I just want to give a bit of background as to my experience with the Bourne films. Now, I did media in college, and I don't think I saw the Bourne films until after we started learning about the thriller genre, and then learning about, like, you know, the cozy adventures that went in with action thrillers which soon became one of my favorite genres by 2008 but I don't think I saw the Bourne films until I think maybe 2009 or 10 so it was at least a few years after they had all come and gone through the cinema but then I saw the films I think on TV and as soon as I seen all of that trilogy I was just like I was sold I was all over it I was like why was I not on this hype sooner? These Jason Bourne films are insanely cool. I love Matt Damon. And I bought that trilogy pretty much the Christmas year whenever I bought it. I think that must have been maybe 2010 or 11. And I've been a fan of it since. And while I've only seen those films like maybe two or three times each, every time I watch it, I get the same level of satisfaction. The, the Bourne films, you know directed by uh, Doug Lyman and uh, Paul Greengrass are some of my favorite films of all time and were it not for the fact that Jason Bourne was coming out later on this month I would consider it one of the most solid trilogies that we've ever had in film alongside Lord of the Rings and Toy Story I have met some detractors who say they don't see the hype and I'm just like you're wrong 
And sometimes I may get into like, you know, is it some conversation trying to sway them into, you know, the side of righteousness? Some people can't be swayed and some people can. But I'm hoping I'm going to try and sway you today. So with, again, Jason Bourne coming out later on this month, I just thought I'd take the time to revisit these films and give my brief, you know, opinions on why these films are so good going through each film. And yeah, as I said, it's the trilogy, so I'm not going to be talking about the Bourne Legacy because um, films, films lame. I yeah, I said it. I know there's a lot of people that well, there's a few people that like the Bourne Legacy, and the problem was I had very hefty expectations about that film, and I you know was spoiled by the Matt Damon brilliance. And you know, there's many problems with the Bourne Legacy, but I just don't want to get into it today. I have been curious to see if that film would be better checked out as a you know older more mature individual who doesn't have like you know the hefty expectations going for it but i still don't feel the need to go back to it like i do the the matt damon born film so there's that but anyway enough about that palaver let's get into it and first we're going to start with the born identity Oh yeah, and minor spoilers to follow. I'm not going to get into anything too detailed in case you haven't seen those films yet, but know that I'm going to talk about certain plot details that are kind of integral to making this, you know, discussion work. So, The Born Identity, released in 2002, and it was directed by Doug Lyman and stars my man Matt Damon as the title character Jason Bourne. Now... This film, as I said before, I didn't actually see when it went out, but every time I see it, I sort of get that feeling of what certain films were like when they were made back in the early 2000s. And I have never been more fascinated and engaged with a film than this one, with the way in which it began. The introduction is just very intriguing, with you having Bourne found in the ocean, riddled with bullets in his back and no memory of who he was and slowly but surely the film starts to give you small details and small pieces of a bigger puzzle and as the film is firing on all cylinders you are just literally in the most heightened good mood you're just enjoying it and it's just a good time the main story surrounding Jason Bourne's amnesia and his search for answers is so compelling is because he's a blank slate at the beginning but then you learn that he's a travelled individual. He's done a lot in the past. He's a resourceful man and has the skills that make him look like a human weapon. And it also doesn't help that he's hunted by a secret group in the government who want him dead for reasons that become apparent as the film goes on. And for me, it just is it's hard for me to go about and talk about these films without getting like, you know, is it either, you know, lost for words or like, you know, just a bit giddy. But the film features some of the most interesting, smart and compelling story elements that I've ever seen in the spy genre. And sure, it's adapted from very well done books, but it's still an enjoyable film regardless. I really enjoy the way in which the action is shot. It's slick, well edited, and wonderfully choreographed. And there is one car chase sequence in this film, which is one of my favorites in film ever, and probably my favorite since Bullet, probably, or the second Raid film. But yeah, it's a very well, like, you know, is it done car chase sequence that goes on for a long while, but never does it feel long or, like, you know, poorly done. It's just very thrilling, entertaining, so, so much fun, so much fun. 
Oh, and of course, you really have to talk about the cast in the film as well, who were all really good. Firstly, there's Matt Damon, who just kills it as Jason Bourne. Now, I think before this, Matt Damon had been in, like, you know, some films before that, like, say, Saving Private Ryan or The Talented Mr. Ripley, or most notably Good Will Hunting. But I don't think anybody had thought of him as, you know, an action star, a person that could carry a film like this. But Damon did so well to transform himself into this character. He rides a fine line between being very innocent and confused, but also being, you know, a full-on badass who's always in control of every situation. The way in which Damon, you know, has this wonderful physicality to him, but also this humanity and emotion to his performance is just fantastic. And then there's the lead female, whose name I feel like I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to try it anyway. There's Franca Pontenti, who was also really great as Marie Helena Kurtz. Again, I butchered that, so, you know, I felt like I'm going to get verbally assaulted. But anyway, she happened to do a great job as this innocent bystander who just happened to be caught up in the madness of what was going on around Bourne once they happened to collide. And Pontenti and Damon had such great chemistry and interaction throughout the film. You really believe their relationship and it was just like, you know, a wonderful way in which these characters sort of came together and then became a thing. Chris Cooper was also great as Alexander Coughlin. I don't remember him being such a pivotal part of the story, but damn, when you actually see what he does in the film and see the intensity and commitment that he had to try and stop him born was great. Brian Cox was also so solid as Ward Abbott and Clive Owen as the professor. Man, that guy. He doesn't really say much or show much emotion, but when he's on screen, he's like a ghost terminator. So amazing and compelling. And he has a pretty important scene later on in the film, which has such a level of significance. And overall, I don't feel like some fans and critics give the Bourne identity the respect it deserves in comparison to the sequels. It was such a solid action thriller based film but also a great spy film with a great deal of mystery, conspiracy, tension and awesome action sequences. And out of the Bourne trilogy, it is pretty much the most simple of stories. It's very straightforward. You understand exactly what's going on from front to back. And it's pretty much the only film in the series that, were there no sequels, it had a pretty solid start, middle and end as well. So the film could also be looked at as a standalone adventure as well. But yeah, I think The Bourne Identity is so good. And Doug Liman, the director, did such a fabulous job at bringing this film to life and creating the foundation of what would come in the later two films. And the thing about Liman is he's a pretty good director. Loads of people talk about his film Swingers or Mr. and Mrs. Smith or the recent Edge of Tomorrow, which was really good, by the way. But no one talks about the fact that he directed the first Bourne film. Everybody mainly associates the Bourne film series with Paul Greengrass, and rightly so, because he's directed two of the films, soon to be three. But Black Lineman was the man that started this thing. He could have, you know, made a really bad film, and, like, you know, it would have made this trilogy pretty pants, to be fair. But Lyman did such a good job setting the foundation of what was to come. And I think he deserves more credit for this film, really. But that's just me.
So now we move on to film number two in this trilogy in the form of The Bourne Supremacy, released in 2004 and directed by Paul Greengrass. Now with this film, even though he wasn't a complete man, The Bourne identity established that Jason Bourne was someone that you didn't want to mess with. And the supremacy reinforces that with the lengths that Bourne goes to in this second adventure. With this film, the mysteries behind Bourne's memories are still at the forefront of the story, but that's not the only story elements at play here. A CIA operation goes bad and Bourne is framed for it, and the government want to get him in to get some answers. And this is where levels of conspiracy go deeper than the first film, and there are a lot of moving pieces to this story with Bourne's past, the CIA, and Treadstone. And it is a lot to handle, but luckily it's done carefully and effectively, and adds a lot of history to the government program and to Jason Bourne as well. The interesting thing about the Bourne supremacy is this is where the layers of this world start to come into play. Because, as I said before, the Bourne identity is a fairly straightforward, for the most part, story where it has a start, middle, and end. And while there are definitely a few questions left for you to, like, you know, be pondering before the next sequel comes out, it's still fairly easy to comprehend. The Bourne Supremacy, for me, is where things start to get complicated. And even though I've seen those films a few times over, there's still elements where I, you know, forget what the hell's happened in the film and then I'm, I feel like I'm watching it for the first time and then still trying to piece the pieces of the grand puzzle, you know, together. I'm still trying to slot certain things in and there are points where I learn as I'm watching the film as, you know, a first-time viewer but then there's other times when I'm watching it and I'm just like putting the pieces together just before the film tells me about it. It's just like, ah, there you go. And Supremacy definitely has those wonderful levels of drama, emotion, conspiracy, tension and suspense but it's all done in such a wonderful way. This film definitely felt a little bit more personal and emotional than what's come before and there is a dramatic intensity and heartbreaking moments that make the film just elevate what's come before. And once again this film in the action department is so good. It shows Bourne's assassin skills, but at a much higher level than before. And this film really displays Bourne's powers as a tactician, staying a good few steps ahead of his enemies in really cool ways. He looks so calm and collected as he's, you know, plotting his movements and just staying ahead of the game. And he's also just displayed as a bloody battle when it comes to those fight moves. And he just finds ways to continue to be invisible and yet stay in plain sight at the same time. The dude's amazing. He's just so efficient and I friggin love it. But it also has to be stated that with this film comes the infamous fight sequences with the shaky cam. Now I'm not sure if The Bourne Supremacy was the first film to sort of implement the use of shaky cam in fight sequences but it's definitely one of the most popular films that sort of made it become apparent. And I remember during this, during the time after 2004, especially after the Ultimatum came out in 2007, there was a lot of imitation films that used the shaky camera within fight sequences and it became a nuisance. And it was one of those sort of things that you would hear online, people never shut up about the fact that they hated it. And some people blame the Bourne Supremacy for that because I will admit, 
while it definitely adds a level of I'm not sure what the word would be maybe uh, tension and realism and a little bit more grittiness to the actual fight sequences at the same time it could be a little bit more distracting and the fight sequences in the Bond Supremacy for the most part are good but it definitely makes some of the action a little harder to see and it was kind of annoying because in the first film everything was shot in such a wide clear manner and it wasn't so quickly cut or shaky camera-esque but anyway it was one of the issues that you know prevented the Born Supremacy from being a lot better than it could have been with the action stuff but that's just a small element and with the cast once again they're all great all the returning members do such a great job but it's Matt Damon again at the center of everything that you know really does a fabulous job he's still cool vulnerable and engaging and there's so many other people that just do really good and Julia Stiles this is where she starts to shine as well because she was good in the previous film but didn't have nearly as much to do as she does in this film as Nikki Parsons she takes on a much more prominent role providing us with information and emotional depth but I think it's Brian Cox who really steals the show as Ward Abbott this guy oh my god he has some of the best dialogue ever and he's so well informed suspicious and confident and because of his history with Treadstone, it just makes him such an interesting and, you know, compelling character to watch. And then there's new characters in the form of Carl Urban as Kirill and Joan Allen as Pamela Landy. Now, Carl Urban is a friggin' badass in this film. Just like Clive Owen's character from the previous film, but way older, ruthless, and has a little bit more depth and personality to him. This is probably the first time I saw Carl Urban before the Star Trek reboot in 2009 and I didn't even realize how much of a badass this guy could be in film and it's just like where was this guy the first time I watched the film because I didn't even see him he was invisible to me but then again I guess that just proves how great of an actor he was I didn't even notice him until maybe the second or third time round. I was like oh that's Carl Urban oh my god but he does such a great job in this role and Joan Allen I love her I love her in these films Especially like, you know, the old mate, but we haven't gotten there yet, but she's introduced in such a great way. Joan Allen does really well as Landy. While not as well versed in all the CI operations as some of the other people, she's tough, tenacious, and ready to take down anyone who gets in her way. And I will admit that the Bourne Supremacy is good, but there are elements of identity that I liked over this film. But overall... The film had a new level of energy, darkness, and better direction thanks to Paul Greengrass when it comes to the filming of the action and adding intimacy to certain scenes. And by the way, it has to be said, The Born Supremacy has one of my favorite film endings involving a conversation between Bourne and Pamela Landy, which basically just confirms how much of a badass he is. Anyone who's seen the film knows exactly what I'm talking about, but the ending to this film for me is so good it makes me smile so giddy and satisfied every bloody time i see it that ending is so good just damn wonderful and now we move on to the final film in the born trilogy the born automaeum released in 2007 and was once again directed by paul greengrass now I remember that this used to be my favourite of the Bourne films. I think maybe 
the second time round I watched it but then after watching it again my opinion shifted and again I watched it and my opinion shifted so depending on what day it is I still don't know where I'd rank the ultimatum in this trilogy a lot of people say it's their favorite me I'm not too sure it depends on the day but anyway let's get into this so here we are with the final entry in this series and man it is one hell of a good ride from the time the film begins, you are ready in the action, and from there, the film just keeps up this fairly swift pace, but also finds ways to slow down and have some really big reveals later on. Bourne's always been a pawn of a much larger game of chess with the CIA and their actions. But now more than ever, this is all about finishing the issues that the CIA started. And I love the way in which this film gets way more complicated and personal with the new mystery surrounding Bourne's origins, additional ties to Treadstone, and the corruption with the CIA. Just like before, there's a lot of cat and mouse chasing going on in regards to 1. Jason Bourne hunting down someone, or 2. The CIA going after someone, or 3. The CIA chasing after Bourne. There's so much mystery, tension, and paranoia surrounding these films, and this may be the best at highlighting those elements. Ultimatum feels like a great culmination of the last two films, with a satisfying conclusion that ties up all of the loose ends. And once again, the action sequences are just on point, with some incredibly choreographed fight sequences which are so raw and realistic, and there's definitely some great stunt work with some of the car and foot chases and the amount of destruction that Bourne leaves in his wake it's just nothing short of incredible and I also have to highlight how much better the sound effects are in this film as opposed to the previous films with all the punches kicks glass smashing and explosions sounding so much clearer and distinctive than before and once again going back to the action sequences they're just so good especially with the hands to hand combat because again loads of people complained about the shaky camera in the Bourne Supremacy and I will admit that was a little messy but Greengrass found a way to go about and direct this film in a way that he could still incorporate the shaky camera but made the action a little bit more clearer to see and while it does still get a little too wobbly overall it's a much needed improvement over the last film and I know that there's some people that still complained about the shaky camera saying that it was still really crap for some reason. But I don't know what they're talking about because from Supremacy to Ultimatum, the improvements are so good. And one aspect I haven't actually mentioned about any of the Bourne films up until this point is the film score by John Powell. Who does such a fabulous job with the music which elevates everything that's happening on screen. It's so well done. And it is honestly some of my favorite music in like you know was it film and the cast are all on fire and do such great jobs in the film matt damon once again just cements his awesomeness as jason bourne here he's just as smart efficient and lethal as he was before but he's definitely more focused on ending all the problems that he has going for him and finding out what really happened in his past now Bourne has started to come to terms with who he is and it's this stuff that is really interesting and compelling and to see how he deals with these issues when talking to certain people has some of the really great dramatic and emotional moments that makes Matt Damon such a wonderful actor to watch. Also Julia Stiles is once again just so good at Sneaky Passes but her role again increases in this sequel 
she has a lot more stuff to do physically and is way more integral to the plot and Bourne's missions and Styles just does so much of her work in a really good way. David Strathroom, at least I think that's how you say his name, is new to this film and he does a really good job as Noah Vosen. He's a new player at the CIA and he has a mission. And when Bourne becomes a factor, we learn how vicious and crafty that guy can be. And Joan Allen, once again, really shines as Pamela Landy. She takes on a more Ward Abbott role in this film, as she's the one with the experience with Bourne and knows how he operates and helps Vosen with finding Bourne. Landy is great at her job, but is also perceptive and can smell when something's wrong. And in this film, we see that she definitely has a moral compass and will break regulations in order to do what needs to be done correctly. And the funny thing is, I never even noticed Scott Glenn in this film before as Ezra Kramer. But thanks to the fact that I've been watching, like, you know, is it dead of a lot since, you know, it was released on Netflix back in the early side of 2015 I'm more aware of his appearances and he was really great as the director of the CIA Paddy Constantine is also very good as Simon Ross and finally Albert Finney was also really good as Dr. Albert Hirsch oh yeah and Daniel Brühl who I forgot was even in this film I can't believe I even noticed this guy long before I even saw him in Rush this guy was he had a small part in the Born Automatum but it was definitely relevant and I was just like, oh look, it's that guy, yeah boy. And he was good in the film as well. Now obviously I've just talked about like all three of the Bourne films. So you have to wonder how these actually, you know, rank against each other. When I first saw these films, I think I liked the Bourne Automaton the best purely because it had the most balance between having so much well-crafted drama, action, and story. And, you know, it's, you know, the book ending of this entire trilogy, and it all came together in a very fantastic way. But at the same time, once I watched these films again, I really liked the simplicity of the Bourne identity. There's something just really fascinating to me about the origins of, like, you know, was it trilogies? Seeing the beginnings and seeing how these things start to develop. And sometimes it's just the first film in a trilogy always just happens to have that sort of special element that puts it, you know, a few pegs above, like, you know, the the sequels. But then I watched the film series again one time and then I was like, the Bourne Supremacy is my favorite. Even though it's the bridge between these two films, it's where the action really starts to kick off in terms of the conspiracy story elements, more in-depth character stuff and dangerous action and again that ending for that film is just so good so right now i i can't even rate them because in a way they are just a very solid trilogy altogether and i could never watch one film without watching the others because they're all like a very connective tissue it's like watching some of the marvel cinematic universe films but then deciding to skip a few like with the recent release of captain america civil war if you hadn't watched, like, say, the previous two Captain America films and Age of Ultron, you'd be left in the dark. And why would you want to go about and jump in midway in a series? You want to watch it start, middle, and end, and that's the way that you should watch these Bourne films. They're all so good. 
solid trilogy. But I can't. I won't be able. To, I won't even be able to call it a trilogy after this because now it's it's gonna become you know a four parter. And while I have hope for Jason Bourne because the trailers are definitely getting me all giddy and that one punch knocks that one guy out with one punch. Still one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the trailer. So beast. At the same time, I'm just not sure that after what. 2007, it's 2016, now it's 9 years, it's almost been 10 years since the last Bourne film, I'm not sure that it's going to deliver the goods, I'm hyped, but at the same time, I'm absurdly cautious, so cautious, but it's Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass back at the helm after all these years, I I want to believe that this is going to be a badass session, I can only hope. I think that's going to bring this uh, discussion about the Bourne films to a close, basically, if you haven't seen the Bourne films, you know, Identity, Supremacy, and Old Meme, do yourself a favor and watch it. This is really good. Honestly, I label this as one of the most consistent, strong, and well-done film trilogies ever. It has some of the finest action, mystery, and intrigue in the action thriller spy genre. And this is why people talk about Jason Bourne as one of the most, you know, notable people in the action thriller spy genre along with you know Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible series and you know James Bond from the James Bond series because the dude's so good he's efficient deadly and badass and he's all sorts of cool and yeah just finding out the story behind Jason Bourne is so interesting and he's just one of the most compelling characters I've come across in film and you really just love this adventure you're interested you're intrigued you want to see more and when you actually discover these secrets it's just a lot of fun to watch so yeah the at the center of everything is just a lot of really solid character stuff and i would recommend this just watch it the born film series the matt damon trilogy so good watch it fantastic i recommend it to everybody and if you've seen it let me know what you think in the comment section below because I, I could talk about the Bourne series until, like, you know, it was it, I don't know, next week. So if you have anything you want to discuss with me, talk about it in the comments or email me at thehypersonic555 at gmail.com or hit me up on that Twitter where I am, you know, hypersonic55 or hit me up at Film Focus where Film Focus 55. And yeah, thank you for listening to my rambles. Hopefully you were entertained and possibly intrigued to check these films out and if i and if you're not then i'm not doing my job too well but anyway that's it for another episode of film focus hopefully i'll have a f- review ready for you guys at some point soon very soon hopefully so yeah until next time this is the hypersonic 55 from film focus signing out peace